Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 6, issue 285, and we're going to talk about three games, Double Dragon Neon, Double Dragon 2, Wander of the Dragons, and Double Dragon 4. You can play along with us, and the games we'll be covering in the next five podcasts will include Mortal Kombat, the very first Mortal Kombat, its first sequel, MK2, MK3, Ultimate MK3, and we'll also talk a little bit about MK Trilogy, which happened around that time, mashed everything together. Following that, it's Blade Runner, the Westwood uh, point-and-click graphic adventure, I suppose you could say, from 1997, 20 years ago. Uh, after that, it's The Room Trilogy, puzzle box type affairs, Soma, and following that, it's Bayonetta 2, one that I'm very much looking forward to uh, finally getting around to playing. Head to canerince.com for articles. There are uh, increasing amounts of things to read on the blog, including uh, a recent excellent piece from Mikhail here on the subjectivity of difficulty. And uh, we have more coming up as well. We have the occasional feature as well and the very occasional review. But also on uh, canerince.com, you'll find links to the forum as well as the other outlets, such as the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. You can support us if you enjoy all that we do, all that stuff, uh, but of course, mainly the podcasts. We have a Patreon, and we are continuing to aim for a target of $3,000 per month, which uh, is ambitious, but by mid-November, if we get that, we'll make even more Cane and Rinse next year, uh, 100 shows instead of 50. You can donate a dollar a month minimum, or more if you so desire, at patreon.com slash cane and rinse and help us make that happen it really does support us uh, continuing to make the amount of effort that we put into cane and rinse and all related matters you could also support us by buying and wearing or carrying a t-shirt or a bag from shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash cane and rinse and we get a few dollars or pounds uh, for each one that you purchase and we love it when you buy those items and wear them and take pictures and show us where you've been wearing them that's always awesome we have another podcast as well if you don't know by now sound of play it's all about video games music we play around nine tracks most shows we also have composers from the industry on we have guests from the community and people from around and about who fancy sharing their love of video games music with us it's a great listen even if i do say so myself please review rate and subscribe both of our shows on itunes or pocket Cast or stitcher radio or tune in or whichever other platform you get them and we thank you for that now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 285, are James Carter. Hello, hello. And Mikhail Crowder. <laughs> that is slightly creepy, but very good. <laughs> Authentic. Uh, did you do the voice of uh, Skullmageddon in the game? I wish I did. Just yeah. the Dutch uh, localization. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Uh, yes, yeah, so a very slight, subtle shift of the format, the formula in this podcast. So we're talking about three different games by three different developers. The only thing they share in common, really, is the franchise, the IP, I suppose. Um, and we're going to talk about, uh, from our point of view, the successes and the failures and the different approaches that each project took to remaking or taking a, a vintage retro ip and making it for contemporary audiences and we say contemporary these games are from uh, the last few years the last five years uh, in uh, if you go as back as far as double dragon neon which is the first we're going to cover so yes way forward technologies made this 
uh, I would say an increasingly famous name in the industry, even though they've actually been around since the 90s, uh, going all the way back to Mickey's Ultimate Challenge in 94. But also they made all the Shantae games, of course, uh, Contra 4 they made and Mighty Flip Champs, Aliens, Infestation, various other things, California based studio, uh, a lot of cool 2D stuff in particular, but this game is uh, more 2.5D. Uh, Abstraction converted it for the PC version, which I haven't played myself. Uh, it was published by Majesco or Midnight City on the PC. And one connection is that Arc System Works published it in Japan. The director is Sean Velasco, who is credited on such games as Yacht Club's Shovel Knight, which uh, I think was his first project after Double Dragon Neon, uh, and also has a credit on Ukulele. Uh, the designer is Michael Herbster, who has a fairly uh, sub, uh, established record with uh, WayForward going back to the um, early mid, no, the mid 2000s, mid late 2000s with uh, Mighty Flip Champs and Mighty Switch Force, which uh, games you may be familiar with. Uh, the main artist on the project is a guy called Genzo Man or Genzo Man. Uh, who is a Chilean artist. You can find Genzo Man's work on DeviantArt, has his own section there. Uh, and I don't know if he was purely brought in for, to this project based on his uh, sort of fan art for Double Dragon or his general uh, propensity for uh, doing the sort of art that sort of fits this project. Uh, but his influence is... is undeniably throughout and the composer is uh, Jake Kaufman who's been writing music for WayForward for many many years uh, including I think all of the Shantae games uh, but also uh, other games such as Rebel Star Tactical Command uh, other WayForward projects but most recently perhaps uh, best known for the Shovel Knight soundtrack so this came out on PlayStation 3 and uh, Xbox 360 first of all back in 2012 in September five years ago and uh, followed a little later in Japan in December a PC version followed a little while later actually in 2004 once it was converted uh, 2014 I should say in February once it was converted so the reviews for the game were spread out somewhat but uh, landed in the uh, 7 out of 10 sort of average so uh, from 23 reviews the 360 version averaged 71.74% according to game rankings uh, the PC version was only reviewed by a couple of outlets when it came out a year and a half later but actually uh, reviewed quite well with 85% from those two reviews I'm not sure what, if anything, that says. I don't think the PC versions are particularly enhanced port or anything like that. Uh, perhaps it was just that it appealed to those uh, couple of reviewers who reviewed it. Uh, yeah, so I played this... Uh, well, I had played it first briefly when it around about when it came out. It was given away on PlayStation Plus fairly early on in the PS Plus days, and I had a little look at it. Uh, and I thought it had a curious feel, um, but I put it aside only to go back to it in advance of this show. So I played it and completed it, I guess, about a week ago. Uh, Mikhail, how about you and Neon? Um, when it was first announced and I saw the first trailers, I found it um, quite off-putting to, to look at. Uh, always right. having associated uh, Double Dragon more with uh, the movie The Warriors and gritty yeah. 1980s street violence. And... Uh, yeah, from the first, you know, the 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 the, the neon and the the goofy, eighties uh, spoofy uh, theme, it it 
looked for me like it was kind of missing the mark. Uh, mm. So yeah, I never really uh, looked into it more uh, more beyond that. Though I saw a couple of bits from uh, YouTube uh, playthroughs by Maximilian and friends and uh, super best friends who really enjoyed it a lot. So it made me okay. already feel a little bit more positive about the game when I when I watched them just uh, play and have a lot of fun with the, with the game. Um, mm-hmm. But still, yeah, I never really sought it out or anything. And uh, only because it was being covered on Kane Rinse, I actually went and bought it this year and played it through with a friend. Ah, good job. Played it in co-op as well. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, were you aware of this one at the time, or did you play it at the time, played it more recently? Uh, definitely aware of it at the time. Um, I remember having more than one conversation with uh, Darren Foreman about it, um, about oh, sort yeah. of being excited for uh, Double Dragon reboot. Because um, as I mentioned on, on our last Double Dragon episode, um, obviously a bit of a history with that series, um, but did not even press start until... Uh, today, this morning. Ah, um, curious, fresh just, memories. I'd got it as part of PlayStation Plus a few years ago, but as uh, well as you know, uh, Leon McKeel, I um, swapped my PlayStation account over onto a new one because Sony still don't let you change the uh, the your PSN ID. Um, so essentially, I'd lost that and ended up picking it back up. I think it was on sale earlier in the. the PlayStation summer sale. Um, so so grabbed it then um, for five or six quid or something, I think. Uh, but yeah, it didn't actually start until today. I decided I'd give myself a bit of a challenge today and played both <laughs> yeah. games back to back in preparation for the podcast and came close to not finishing uh, mm. one of the ones we'll talk about later, but, um, but got them both done. Um, yeah, inter- interested to talk about the aesthetics, obviously, that Mikhail touched on there. Um, yeah, let's let's go straight mm. into doing just that. I'm interested already in the uh, in the initial reaction of Mikhail. Yeah. Almost like I'm getting the sense that you almost felt it was disrespectful or sacrilegious, like it was taking the mick out of this great. I would liken it to what they did with Starsky and Hutch, for example, right in the, right. In the sure. wonderful world yeah. of uh, Hollywood. That this mm-hmm. uh, let's let's reboot this. Uh, this um, franchise or this uh, series that was very sincere in its time, but uh, let's just make fun of the era as a whole, uh, the era that it, yeah. that it hails from, and let's yeah. take a very spoofy approach to it. That's exactly it, yeah. And I just felt it, it got laid on so thick uh, from, mm. what I, uh, from what I saw. Uh, well, you know, there's, there's this... This thin line, and it, it's hard to really quantify. But you know, I'm I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. But uh, you know, when you play, for example, something like House of the Dead Two, it's incredibly yeah. cheesy. Yes. But it's not spoofy cheesy. It's there's there's a strange sincerity in it all. It's almost earnest. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. an er- earnestness there, which I find all the more amusing and endearing. Than yeah. uh, the notch notch wink wink know what I mean approach, yeah. uh, in many cases. So yeah, and that that's one part of it. The other part of it, yeah, like I said, um, it almost felt as if the um, designers didn't have a whole lot of uh, reference or appreciation for Double Dragon as it is, and kind of used it as a vehicle 
to sort of spoof the 1980s uh, as an, uh, uh, in an era similar to the Starsky and Hutch thing that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think that's that's right. And I suppose as well as considering the aesthetics at this point, we should also consider the the writing such as it is probably more in this game than than the other two uh, that we're going to talk about in that this is effectively a comedy game. It's a, it's a send up, an affectionate send up, I would say, uh, by and large overall, uh, although not affectionate enough to actually mimic the gameplay of the classic games in anything more than the most fundamental basic way like if you describe yeah. double dragon neon you say yes it's a scrolling brawler in which you you know you beat up guys and the enemies are named the same things although there's you know there's spoof versions and uh and it makes references to uh to the the fact that there's uh, sort of umpteen of these uh, clones of these same characters and things like this but actually the the mechanics and the feel of the game are completely removed from the classic uh, games and nor do they really nor does it really feel like a a streets of rage clone or or a warriors clone it feels kind of like its own thing uh, you know what so it, yeah. so, sorry to interrupt but you know what it kind of feels like it feels like uh the ps1 game fighting force right. but from a side-on perspective rather than a behind yeah. the character view and it's it's that kind of thing and this is kind of where the aesthetics and the the mechanics uh, are are kind of whole because it's often what you get when you take a, a, a 2D, t- traditionally 2D uh, game with uh, 2D sprites and uh, turn it into something with uh, 3D 3D models. And there's there's kind of this mm. uh, more of a slowness to the. Uh, even though it's not really slow, but there's a, more of a slowness to the animations of the punches and the kicks, for example. It's, it feels like it takes longer from when you press your button for your for before your f- uh, fist hits the target uh, and your yeah. feet. Um, there's like a longer kind of a wind-up there. Well, uh, that, that, uh, that's literally the animation, isn't it? As opposed to yeah. often when you're talking about... Um, 2D pixel art animation it is just single frame movement maybe between you know hand moves up and and contacts made depending on the game depending on the game usually, exactly yeah. depending on how yeah. they do it yeah 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 yes um, the more retro the f- generally the fewer frames of animation as yeah. we'll we'll talk about with DD4 yeah. which apes right back to the the NES games which obviously had less power at their disposal than the arcade machines upon which they were based yeah. Yeah, and playing those two two games side by side definitely makes that uh, example all the more clear. Yeah, but I'm yeah, not, I'm not sure. going to uh, say that it's it's really bad after having spent more time with uh, with Double mm. Dragon Neon because there is a satisfaction to the the hits. The hits do feel kind of meaty when you when you connect them. It's just like it feels less fast and direct, uh, coupled yeah. with the walking speed as well. And uh, also the overall aesthetics um, feels kind of budget. Of course, it is a budget game, but it's it's, it's almost like a a just up PS2 game uh, as a whole, just from a technical graphical perspective. Yeah, I suppose uh, I thought the art was pretty attractive overall. Like, I mean, I don't, I didn't love the way it looked, but I thought it was. It was nicely done. You could see that there were there were quality artists working on it, and I think WayForward have generally nearly all their games look pretty cool to me. Um, and I can see the influence of of Genzo Man, who obviously they they base some of the the concepts off of. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think the 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 presentation, the the menus, and the the window dressing makes up for a lot. Actually, if you would take that away, um, I think it would look a lot more bland than it does. Yeah, this is by far, I would say, the slickest package of the three that we're talking about. Although, obviously, as we'll get onto the the Double Dragon Four is deliberately leaning on its uh, NES Famicom uh, roots. Um, but I suppose one of the keys to the enjoyment of Double Dragon Neon is whether the humour hits for you, whether the, as well as whether you think it looks nice. Um, now, a lot of the music, uh, a lot of the humour, I should say, is within the music. Uh, so not only do we have uh, sort of pumped up uh, high fidelity remixes of some of the classic tunes, which uh, which work in their own right, but they could have easily been applied to a more serious take on Double Dragon. Um, and, and again, we hear some of those in, in DD4, depending on which soundtrack you choose. Uh, but there's also a selection of pretty much comedy songs or pastiches of 80s songs, uh, particularly um, this game has a uh, an unusual system for a beat 'em up, sort of semi roguelike RPG system of collecting cards, uh, which you can power up and level up by by visiting shops, collecting more cards, upgrading your rank so you can collect even more of the same cards, and then it's a case of choosing. Uh, you have two categories of card: one uh, dictates your your sort of super move, and one dictates your general statistics of. They're actually um, songs, huh? They're cassette tapes. Precisely. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking they're cards, but they're, yeah, they're tapes. Um, and uh, when you go into that menu, every single one has a, a little pastiche of an 80s uh, song, normally only about uh, sort of eight bars long or something like that. Some of them actually aren't sort of uh, related to chart hits of the 80s. Some of them are like a children's song or stuff like that. But there are some absolutely, you know, on the nose sort of riffs on Prince and Madonna and uh, Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye, some Marvin Gaye, yeah, some hair metal groups. Um, and I thought those were very well done. And, and they're almost throwaway in the sense that once you've heard them once, you never really listen to them again, unless you deliberately choose to, because you, you go into that menu and you select, 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 and you're out again. Um, uh, but some of the level songs, um, particularly you were sharing around Mikhail the other day, the is it the, it's the level two one, isn't yeah. it? I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a just a sort of generic kind of Euro poppy disco eighties. How, yeah, how would you describe it, Mikhail? It's like eighties, uh, uh, like eighties drum computer soul, but yes. uh, but uh, sung uh, by a by a white singer. So uh, yeah. maybe it's more new waveish. Uh, I would I would yeah, say yeah, a bit new wave, bit um, yes, yeah, something like that. Uh, and and that yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's yeah. like it it it's I'd say it's it's musically entertaining, but it's also amusing because of of the sort of nostalgia hit that it evokes, which is yeah. which is obviously what they're aiming for, especially to people of our age. Uh, James, yeah. I'm interested. Uh, you were you were younger than I know you're you're not like a million years younger than us, but you were younger than us when that kind of music was happening. Sure. But obviously, you're not naive to the to the references. So, did this stuff work for you as either humor or just as you know, as an enjoyable element. I, know, I absolutely know what you mean about it being um, ki kind of humorous and, and poking fun at the era. Um, but when I, I, I was thinking about this as I was playing it, comparing this to something like Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which obviously we haven't covered mm. on Kin Rinse, mm. but is a take on a Far Cry game with very, very clear... 
references to 1980s action films specifically, but it has a neon aesthetic. It has that kind of similar uh, go at the soundtrack. Um, yeah, synth, synth wave. Uh, yeah, stuff. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and some heavier stuff as well. Um, and and that that did go for gritty, but sending up action films in that kind of way. You know, if you press the reload button when you didn't need to reload, you, your robotic arm would throw up the middle finger and stuff like that. And that felt much more problematic to me in terms of ending up being a bit tone deaf. Like there was just mm. so much of it layered on and it did feel like it was as much poking fun at what they were trying to ape as as actually being enjoyable and uh, for for what it was. Whereas with this, as I was playing through it, it was stuff like um, I, I get the point that it's not like Warriors doesn't have that gritty post apocalyptic or or uh, not post apocalyptic, but kind of like dystopian nineteen uh, eighties. Uh, mm. Sort of punky uh, future that that we talked about with um, mm. with the the original Double Dragon uh, right, games, yeah. um, but I think the aesthetic overall does work. It is more colourful. It is more kind of bold, um, and it does have the look of something that that maybe just has had all of that sort of grit and a certain amount of texture pulled off it. Um, or never put on, uh, but that that kind of worked for me along alongside having these cassette tapes that you're leveling up your character and having kind of a a, a almost a bare bones. I want to almost say fighting game set of mechanics, and well, no, maybe not because just the fact you've got stuff like dodges and you've got extra layers mm. of mechanics, and that invites menus and invites you to. Uh, take more stock of what you're picking up and pay attention to all that stuff. It means that you're in the menus more. It means that that's part of the game. Um, and it means that you're, you're not having to look at move lists or anything, but you are having to pay attention to what you're doing. And I think that invited me to not necessarily see it as humour that was poking fun at the 80s so much as it's all just reverential of that that era and yeah i think so i, I mean that's eventually what came across to me as well yeah. it's very uh it, it's it's a well-intended poking fun at the uh, 1980s I, and I definitely so, yeah. re- reverential just not as much <laughs> reverential to double dragon as i perhaps would have liked to see sure and i think that that's the yeah that's the weird thing is that like there's there's lots of stuff in this from yeah. the the main bad guy is basically Skeletor um, <laughs> to to you know the sci-fi kind of style of ending um that that pulls from other stuff from the 80s than Double Dragon and then when yeah. you throw on top of the fact that it doesn't really play an awful lot it, it might play like you you would want a modern take on Double Dragon to play if if you accept that maybe the way Double Dragon played in the 80s is not really something you can necessarily mm. put into a game and expect modern audiences to enjoy as much as as the three of us did back then. Yeah, mm. um, but I, I think, I think um, maybe what I personally would have liked to see more is 
uh, it being built on the core fundamentals of Double Dragon and yeah. then built on top of that with yeah. Uh, yeah. dodges and more advanced defensive mechanics mm. and perhaps more depth in, in combos and the likes. Why do you think they went with the the idea of going slightly more outlandish with the story? So for those who haven't played it, uh, we're not doing spoiler warnings for these games because they're frankly very silly. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there it is. Beyond uh, like level two, the game gets sillier and sillier and becomes more like a reference to, yes, like 80s kids cartoons it it, yeah. it, yeah. it dispenses with uh traditional double dragon uh baddies and brings in this skullmageddon character who you heard from earlier courtesy of Nikhil's <laughs> uh spot on impression uh but yes more more skeletal than than uh willy with his uh gut punch and gun although you still have that moment at the start and there's a joke about that and there's joke about enemies looking into pits uh, over and over again yeah um and so it's I, for me like overall the humor's a little scattershot as are the references to the original game like it, it's like it didn't they the, either they didn't have the affection or the knowledge of the original source to make it work or they just didn't have the confidence that they could make a pure straight level to level pastiche of the original double dragon games whether it was the the first couple sustainable for the whole game so they went off in this far more uh sort of zany widely 80s uh pastiching direction with uh trips to space and yeah. uh very very death star like environments yeah, in the, the space station yeah yeah and all this stuff and and i'm not necessarily saying it's a, it's a bad thing but it it seemed to me that it quickly started, although you're still Jimmy or I want to say Bimmy. Uh, they turn <laughs> up Jimmy, Jimmy and Bimmy, uh, mistranslated, uh, mutants or whatever they, yeah. they are. <laughs> Bimmy, um, Bimmy and Jammy. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, increasingly the game just felt more like, uh, its own thing, its own, yeah. like yeah. the development yeah. team just wanted to make a, a silly yeah. game about the 80s, which had some fighting mechanics. And it, it felt, although the references were still there, it felt less and less like a, a Double Dragon homage and more like its own thing. It's interesting to, to obviously we don't know. and Speculating seems somewhat wild and, and a silly thing to do, but... I'd be interested to know why they took that step because I, I I agree. Clearly, they looked at what Double Dragon would be now, and decided that they wanted to make reference to a lot more than that, and that does dilute the effect to which you could hand on heart say this is or feels like a Double Dragon game. But but I'd really be interested to know at what point they looked at it and thought, okay mechanically aesthetically in terms of our writing in terms of our humor it seems like there should have been a moment or a series of moments where there was a decision made that they wanted to step away from what may have been presumably to get the license a much more direct kind of take on on double dragon or or maybe you're right maybe they they had a a 2D or 2.5D beat them up and looked around for a license that they could put on it. Maybe, 
maybe it was that way. I don't know, but it, it's mm. it is interesting to have to have expanded the scope a lot more as they seem to have. Going on what we know, um, Way Forward did a similar thing with uh, Contra Four or Contra DS. Uh, yeah. with, that they they also took more of a not so much in the in the graphics and the uh, aesthetics, but in the little cutscenes that were there, they took more of a spoofy approach there as well. Mm. It's almost this thing of okay, you know, we took this stuff very seriously in the 1980s, but if you look at it now, like two buff dudes uh, with no shirts on running around with big guns, there's no way we can present this seriously. So let's mm. go all the way with it mm-hmm. uh, and and turn it into a pastiche, and uh, maybe they followed that line of thoughts uh, thought exactly with uh, with double dragon and it starts out with the name double dragon neon because there was mm. nothing really neon about sure. double dragon the way it was originally presented it, no. the the neon the, the neon lights were smashed smashed to pieces basically uh, <laughs> in that one yeah 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 and actually beyond there isn't that much neon in this game it's more like uh, it's it's like a coverall a word that somehow evokes a certain period of time or a certain aesthetic, uh, and a certain type of music. I think as well. I think it's yeah, it's unsurprising. Not not unsurprising. It fits what they've done with the music and the way that that comes across to be an aspect of the eighties that isn't just or isn't exactly what was in Double Dragon. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean that that kind of warrior style aesthetic if we can refer to it like that or indeed the double dragon aesthetic from back then actually didn't have neon despite that being something that you you would associate with the 80s and possibly with beat-em-ups but i'm not entirely sure why that that association exists because um streets of rage isn't particularly a game that i would think of as being neon either um, There's quite a lot of neon in uh, in in the early stages of Streets of Rage, actually. But, it's very, uh, it's a, very, a much more colourful game than Double Dragon is. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Double Dragon was more directly Warriors inspired, whereas by the time Bare Knuckle came along, we'd we'd had a load of other imitators and yeah, games yeah, that came true. out of Kunioka and Renegade, and the aesthetic had kind of moved on a bit as the '80s had moved on, and then the the games kind of teased each other away from the. Uh, from the Warriors aesthetic, I guess, to an extent, um, they all you know bounced off of, of one another. And but even the thing is, even then we had like spoof pastiches, like uh, two crude dudes or crude buster, yeah. like that was we, they we were already in right in the middle of that period. We were having games that were pastiching the genre and the type of characters you were playing. So they weren't all it wasn't all taking itself ever so seriously back in the eighties. Um, I think sometimes like. Uh, as somebody who was around then, albeit a child and a teenager in the 80s, I would agree that overall people, certainly in the UK, were less self-aware than they are today. But that's not to say that people weren't self-aware. Like there were, there was a, an element of self-awareness with with a lot of that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was more a kind of yeah, it was it was the prevailing mood and tone and fashion and whatever else. It wasn't. Yeah, it's 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 hard to it's hard to describe, but mm. it was it was not just um, it wasn't as much of a bubble as perhaps <laughs> I want to say bubble perm as perhaps you think <laughs> uh, as, as you think it might have been. But I suppose my what I really want to know, like my my enjoyment of this game was moderate throughout. Like I never I I never hated it. I never loved it. It was it was fine. It was uh, you know my 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 curve of enjoyment kind of 
you know, just hovered around the middle. There were a few, few moments that I found horribly frustrating. Uh, mm. You can uh, go against those by leveling yourself up, playing. You can replay stages at will and power up, power yourself up, make it easier for you for yourself to get through later stages. There are three difficulty uh, levels, uh, no, four difficulty levels, I think, including two locked ones uh, that you can uh, play again, repeated plays, and carry. Your, I think you carry your character over in a new game plus style. It would actually take a long, long time to level up all your uh, your cassettes to uh, to maximum because you have to keep upgrading at this uh, with this uh, sort of. Um, again, this is a good example of the scattershot humor. It's a, it's like a dwarven RPG, you know. Metal Smith, who, yeah. who who deals with your upgrades. Now, this has no bearing on anything other than it seems like a vague heavy metal reference or something, yeah. but it's nothing to do with fighting games. It's nothing to do with cassette tapes. It's just what shall we do we'll, we'll stick this in there but to use him you have to kill bosses over and over again yeah, and yeah. to get be- mithril yeah to get chunks of mithril which you know becomes easier over yeah, time it's, it's, a, it's a little bit annoying because stage mm. 2 has uh, the metalsmith in it mm. so you, you uh, but the uh, first mithril you only get at the end of stage two when you That's right. face your yeah. face uh, Skullmageddon for the first time yeah. so with, when I was playing with my friend we just did that stage a couple of times over again <laughs> just to get the mithril yep. from the from the boss fight and yeah. take it back to the smith defeat him again and do it again so that that's doesn't make for a lot of fun uh mm. but the stage two theme which i really grow, grow to mm-hmm. to enjoy made made up for that uh, to some extent so it does we, does help but the, yeah. yeah sorry go on james i was just gonna say weirdly i didn't find the tape smith until like mission eight when, okay. when you literally walk past the front of him, I missed him in stage two. I probably mm, walked yeah, straight past. It doesn't really it. oversell it, does it? It's true. Um, no, it's it's a background door, and if you, only if you stand in front of it, you see the the bottom prompt to, up, to enter yeah. it. Um, yeah. So I, I saw him there, and by that point, I had obviously well uh, twelve, I think, uh, pieces of, of mithril to. Um, so I was able for the the magic I was using, and for the um, the particular. Uh, I guess passive buff that I was using, I was able to upgrade then. But of course, by that point, I was quite late in the game, late enough that I didn't find another shop and had like twenty three thousand credits. Um, so I wasn't able to actually purposefully buy extra tapes to 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 uh, kind of make use of that. So I ended up uh, using the dragon magic for for kind of once I'd got it the rest of the game. Um, just because it was an easy one to use as soon as it's full, just pop it and damage every enemy on the screen. Um, but I ended up upgrading that to a cap of like 40. I could have put into it, but yeah. I only got it to 12 because it was so late in the game, I didn't have the opportunity. Uh, and and I, at that point on first playthrough, you're like, well, okay, every time I have to reset to the beginning of a level because I've, I've died... I recognize that I still have all my upgrades, I still have all the money, I'm accruing more, but it doesn't necessarily follow that I could restart from an earlier um, chapter or earlier mission and still level up my character like that. But obviously that is the case, it's just weird. It's a a bit of an ill fit for a... um Bra- uh, arcade style brawler yeah. with a relatively small amount of stages to have all this grinding and upgrading because you're going to get tired 
of those play replaying those stages over and over again before yeah, long yeah, uh, b- yeah. trying to max out all your yeah. all your moves although it gets and quicker properties. and quicker the more yeah. the more tapes sure. you, yeah, you collect yeah, yeah. you can pretty much you know spin and punch your way but are through. you are you engaged at that point are you well, actually having fun or are you just trying to get those upgrades well this is what i was going to ask because this game has this game has uh yeah this game has four difficulties and you can upgrade all the way and i you know as i say i i enjoyed this this whole experience moderately mm. uh, uh you know i didn't obviously i didn't pay any money for it other than my ps plus subscription but had i bought it for the six seven eight pounds that it cost i wouldn't have felt cheesed off really i got like three hours of of perfectly passable entertainment and a few chuckles out of it as well mm-hmm. uh, or a few smirks at least i don't i'm yeah. not sure I, I ever laughed out loud maybe uh, if i hadn't been pre-warned about the, the end song I, I might have done but um i can't imagine other than having a, a very very tiny games collection or something and a lot of spare time i can't imagine replaying and replaying and replaying this no. to uh to get to you know to have maxed everything out and get all the achievements and trophies and whatever else i'll tell you i'll tell you what i've been kind of sour on the game up until now mm-hmm. um but i might have enjoyed it more than you did and that's because i uh, consciously set out to play it together with a friend. Yes, this is my was my very next uh, point because James and I have both rattled through this uh, in one player, single player, um, and not only is, does it support co-op, uh, it's kind of it it almost makes a, a deal about it by adding in some extra mechanics, doesn't it? Yeah, it's called bro up, of course, in the game. Yeah, why, why wouldn't it? Yeah. And um, there, yeah, there's a, a, indeed there are a couple of extra mechanics around it. There's the uh, the the high five system. Yes. <laughs> if you uh, press your uh, your uh, right stick uh, towards your uh, your your bro, uh, in various positions you get, for example, a gleam boost that you get. You deal extra damage for a little while, or yeah. you do a health share, which is really good. If one of you got got hammered uh, quite a bit, you uh, you share your health, so it equals out again. So uh, both both of you are good to go. Um, there also is kind of a hidden move where uh, one character crouches behind an enemy and the other one pushes them over it, sort of the illegal fight move. Um, and you can also Gears of War style revive your uh, your fallen comrades uh, by yeah. pressing, uh, sitting close to them and uh, pressing the. I was playing on on PlayStation Three. I uh, pressing the uh, the square button uh, very fast. Which is also again um, marked with a cassette tape with a little pencil in it. Uh, so for those, for those of our age, it's recognizable. Yeah. You know, when your tape wears out and it's, it leaves leaves the cassette. Uh, we used to, of course, grab uh, it, yeah. a pencil and, uh, and and wind it back in. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, the whole thing, and you hear this little record scratchy uh, <laughs> sound when you do it. See, that doesn't uh, make sense either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No. It doesn't. It, uh, is it a record scratchy sound or is it actually a? Uh, a, a it, tape. it could be. It could be a tape. Okay. A tape one. Uh, spe- but it wouldn't uh, surprise. See, that, that's a yeah. good sign of of what we're saying. Or yeah, about the humor being a little bit kind of um, imprecise in that that's yeah. the sort of thing that they might have done. And it wouldn't surprise me if they had that they'd used a a vinyl record noise for a tape <laughs> visual. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, but the, here's the thing. So there's these little mechanics that make it more enjo- uh, enjoyable with the second player. But yeah. also, when you are playing together with a, with a second player, uh, a good friend in the same room, mm. um, 
it's the jokiness of the game that sort of becomes almost an inside joke amongst yourself. And you okay. start to kind of... I mean, that's how it worked with me. That's not how it's going to work with everybody, of course. But it yeah. sort of the the lameness and the goofiness of the joke starts to to slowly started to slowly win me over. Uh, yeah, I mean, playing together with uh, with somebody is always going to make uh, something more fun in my book, at least. By and uh, large. But uh, yeah, we we started to have some some good shared chuckles uh, about the whole game and. And and devising yeah. tactics to get it to get through it. So, yeah, I, I do like I, the even evening out the health thing because, again, that's another frustration. It's not not really frustration. It's just something you have to go through where you almost have to have a conversation before anyone yeah. picks up health as to yeah. who's got. Well, you don't worry about it as long as you've not got full health and you're picking up, you know, a, a, a bottle of coke. Then. It doesn't matter, you know, whoever it's picks very up. communist spirited, which is uh, <laughs> which is not not the way of the, uh, the the progressive brawler in the eighties. It was all about racing to the yeah. racing to the ham that was found in a bin. Yeah, <laughs> progressive in a whole other sense of the word. Yeah. One uh, wrinkle of note is that in the Xbox three hundred and sixty version, because of uh, gamer score as opposed to the trophies mechanism, when you start the game, you get a one gamer score achievement. Uh, called Nyahaha, now finish what you've started. Mm. So then you have to uh, complete the game to get your gamer get score 19. divisible by five again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did notice uh, that at the end it popped up with 19. Yeah. I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, nice yeah. touch. It, yes, yeah. and, and the other famous thing it does with trophy or achievements is during the uh, the end song, which I think is, uh, it, yeah, it, I, I think that's the most successful, funny part of the game for me, the, the end song. Probably, uh, yeah is is actually chucklesome whereas a lot of the humor is kind of huh? yeah. yeah um best bit is the trophy uh the trophy, right yeah it says here's a medal for your victory and exactly at that point uh the achievement or the trophy pops up and they've even worked out the timing because ps3 trophies tend to have a bit of lag to them yes but they managed always, to get this yeah. one absolutely spot on yeah. uh presumably by unlocking it just ahead of the line being sung or something <laughs> like that and of course, that joke is is a one shot joke. It never works again, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which I which I think is all right. You know, I, for me, this is a game that absolutely works perfectly in in this context for me, mm. which is that we play the game through, we complete it, we talk about it, and probably in you know in my case, I'll probably never play it again. Yeah. Maybe you know, and uh, I can't. Yeah, as I say, this is not the sort of game that I would. Uh, I don't think it's got enough uh, to it to return to over and over again. And and moreover. The problem with any comedy is that unless it's, you know, something, you know, one of your absolute all time favorite comedy films that you can watch on a loop because it just, you know, it just makes you happy. Uh, jokes in games, uh, hit and miss yeah. comedy in games like there's I think there's a limit to how many times you can uh, you can go through it. At least like at least most of the gags in this are kind of throwaway and you can almost walk past them so like there's a there's a level where you smash all his uh, skullmageddon screens and he gets increasingly annoyed about it and he and he shouts out some stuff at you as you do it um but it, it's kind of it's all happening fast in the background so it's not like you have to sit through you know quotes hilarious cutscenes for things to happen the, the gags are kind of thick and fast yeah. and, yeah. and, and throw the, audio, the audio mixing is also a bit weird like sometimes uh the 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 funny bits were a little bit uh, muffled away by the music as well yeah, that's interesting. We've talked uh, about uh, poor audio mixes in uh, in two recent podcasts now. Mm. Yes, check yeah. check it out, developers. Watch out for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, just yes. just of interest, actually, that yeah. that one gamer score uh, achievement that pops up at the beginning. 
Um, I was reliably informed by my Xbox One only 75% of players have that. Which which means literally 25% of people that own the game have started the game because otherwise they wouldn't know that the person yeah. had the game. But uh, yeah. So they've actually loaded it up but never pushed the start button to actually start playing. Very strange, I thought. But That mm. sort of perhaps tells us something about modern gamers as a whole. The fact that we have these enormous collections. Games of Gold and uh, PS Plus. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, yeah, so we'll come back and uh, summarise uh, about Neon at the end, along with the others. Um, but we should move on to the middle section, which is uh, which is sponsored by your Patreon dollars. Because <laughs> there was no way I was paying for this out my own money. Uh, but first, some three-word reviews just for Double Dragon Neon. From Twitter, at Caden Rince, we had four for Neon, the most played, I guess, of, of the three games. Ryan Joseph said, trendy, not friendly. Gareth Cutliffe said, pimps and prostitutes. Michael Ledwood said, surprisingly good fun. Mm. And Ryan Scully said, shamelessly tacky brilliance. Thanks for those. So, Double Dragon 2, Wonder of the Dragons. Right, so uh, this is a game that has been variously described as the worst game on the 360 by Eurogamer, the worst game on the 360 by NowGamer, and the worst game ever by Metro here in the UK. <laughs> so this actually was finished in terms of built, made, programmed, ready to go. Uh, I think as far back as 2011. I think that's the copyright it's got on its screen. And there were people who, uh, cl- clever folks who could get into Xbox Live Arcade were downloading this years before it was actually released in April 2013. So this came out after Double Dragon Neon, hence us covering it second in this show. It was uh, made in Korea. Now, the developer is credited as Gravity, but I've also seen it credited to Cyberfront Korea Corp. So I don't know if Gravity is a subsidiary of them, but it's a Seoul-based developer. Seoul as in Seoul, S-E-O-U-L, the capital of South Korea. Uh, and it was published by Baronson Creative Co. Limited the household name of video game companies. Um, Yeah. Uh, So looking at game rankings, as we do, if you sort by uh, the all-time worst games with at least 10 reviews, the worst game in Game Rankings Database is a game which I reviewed back in 2013 as well called Ride to Hell Retribution, which if you've never played it, uh, check out some videos by Eutechnics. Uh, and it's uh, it's a remarkable piece of electronic entertainment that averaged <laughs> 15% from 10 reviews. I gave it one star, I believe. Next is Double Dragon 2, Wonder of the Dragons. Uh, 2013, 12 reviews, 15 Now, I get quite annoyed quite often by people's uh, perception of reviews, receptions to games being completely all over the place. (laughs) I've seen games that have had uh, sort of average review scores of 78% described as, you know, like having had a terrible kicking. No, this is a review kicking, 15% is a review slaughtering. Yeah, I mean, th- this is like 7 out of 10 is 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 fine. 15%. This game has problems. So I've played it 
uh, yeah, so I, I, this is the first and only game where I've actually paid for it out of our Patreon <laughs> funds because because I was uh, I felt that you know uh, this section could be sponsored by our, our lovely patrons. So thank you for that. <laughs> but now Sorry. you're going to tell us that uh, all the reviews were wrong that this game is in fact brilliant and everybody misunderstood it, right? Well, it's funny you should say that. It's interesting, actually. There are a few positive reviews on Metacritic. Of course, on Metacritic, everything's either a 10 or a 1 because that's how people try to sway the average, same as on IMDb and, and wherever else. Uh, so the, the user average is actually, I think, lower than the Meta score. I think it's like 15 compared to 17 or something like that. Um, but there are a couple of 10 out of 10 or four, I think, four positive reviews from users on Metacritic. Uh, they seem to be genuine. Obviously, I can't be sure, but they're from people saying, no idea why this game is so hated. I had a perfectly good time playing it. I'm a massive Double Dragon fan. I played it in co-op. It was good fun, so on and so forth. So um, it has a story versus survival mode, uh, a prologue and 15 stages. It has easy, normal, hard difficulty. Um, but the warning bells do start ringing when you start playing. Uh, rather than an achievement of one gamer score for starting to play, you get a tutorial, which uh, which is completely absurd as far as I'm concerned. You play as Marion um, for no apparent reason. Um, obviously, you know that you're going to get uh, gunned down at the end of the tutorial because this is Double Dragon 2, re-subtitled Wonder of the Dragons as opposed to The Revenge. Uh, I guess to distinguish it, uh, the warning bells really are about the f the fact that the speech and the subtitles in the tutorial are both badly translated, but they're both different. So the speech and the subtitles don't match. Uh, <laughs> but they're both they're, they're told uh, in uh, sort of cod pigeon English, obviously based on on the the Korean original, and yeah, the script is somewhat different, which is confusing. In itself, uh, you start playing, you notice that uh, aesthetically it looks pretty ropey, even for a five year old Xbox 360 game. Um, I think, you know, even in 2011, when this was originally due to come out, I think this would have been well behind the standards of the time, thinking about what else we were playing back in 2011, like Bayonetta, maybe? Or well, but that was even, even than... thinking about Xbox Live games by that point, I mean, stuff like Shadow well, Complex and whatnot had been out as, a, as an sure. example of a 2.5D game. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so yes, it's, it's remarkably it, it, similar in look to, from what I've seen to uh, the Sega Ages remake of uh, Golden Axe. Okay, yeah, mm. uh, that that might be a fair a fair comparison. Uh, it's also the frame rate is is uh, troublesome. It it seems it seems like it's running at about maybe eighteen to twenty frames a second. It's very jerky. Um, another warning sign is that you notice you're given twenty lives. Um, which is <laughs> normally a sign of uh, that something's gone wrong in the difficulty balancing. Yeah, at that point, just just make yeah. it infinite. Make it ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, this does have a stage select, so I did manage to play all the way through it. It, it took me, I guess, a similar amount of time to um, to Neon and possibly four as well. They're they're all, I guess, about three hour games in in total, uh, each with the ability to go back, revisit, and and replay earlier sections. Um, I don't I, this game actually made me laugh out loud more times than Double Dragon Neon uh, albeit <laughs> unintentionally at the game rather than with the game yeah. yes yes there's a yeah. there's some sections which I'm I can't really do justice to by trying to describe them but uh, there was a proper I was almost 
I know a lot of people say on the internet, uh, I'm in pieces here. I'm, you know, like implying that they're laughing so hard they can't cope. Uh, and normally it's not the case. Uh, but I was actually starting to get a fit of the giggles at this section at the start of uh, level seven, where uh, you have to walk along some logs and they've tried to put log physics in. And uh, if you stay on the log, it falls down and goes in the water. And of course, you can't swim because it's double dragon, so you drown. Yeah. Um, sing like a brick. Yes, you sing like a brick. There's a hilarious uh, interpretation of the, the the already quite funny Combine Harvester sequence from Double Dragon 2 uh, in the original, um, which where the, the Combine Harvester is now the width of like a football pitch or something. It's it's absolutely gigantic. It's It's the biggest Combine Harvester on the planet. And it trundles in and out of the screen and you basically you kite all the enemies towards it and they all get mashed under it uh, while you dodge out the way. Uh, there's uh, there's a button bashing elevator section. You climb in an elevator and it breaks four times and you have to hammer the button to get it working again. I don't know why. Um, there's a boss rush later on, of course. Uh, there are, oh, wonderfully, one of the larger enemy types. Uh, pretty much every time it hits you, puts you into a stagger loop, which you can't get out of until you lose a life. Uh, the music loops are about four seconds long each. So oh, dear. The, yeah. <laughs> um, the final boss, who is Willy with a gun, unlike in Neon, they've actually been slightly more faithful to the source material. Tell me the gun is hit scan. The gun, well, he just, he the, he is the most, rather than being a sort of awfully punishing, cruel but final boss, he's a complete idiot. He just, <laughs> well, he just fires in random directions, but based absolutely, doesn't even pay any attention to where you are. So on several occasions, he would just walk to the corner of the room and fire into the corner of the room as I crept up <laughs> behind him and smashed him around the back of the head. Um... My favourite bit, actually, one bit where I actually thought, oh, that's quite cool. The the bit from Double Dragon 1 where we talked about, which is a real real horrible, cheaty, nasty 80s coin-op bit with the dragons, um, with the statues, with the spears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this, uh, they come to life. Uh, they start, They actually start walking, or one of them, one or two of them start walking about as if they are enemies. They're the biggest enemies you face in the game. Um, but they actually look quite like Ray Harryhausen monsters <laughs> to me. So that that was actually like, oh, that bit I actually quite like. Mm. Um, uh, the idea that this is the worst game ever is is folly to me it's 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 ridiculous it it like i used to play games as a kid that literally didn't function this game you can play it from start to finish it works basically uh it you know it gives out achievements when it's supposed to uh you can punch the enemies and they fall over it's got all sorts of horrible design elements it it looks hideous in my opinion it feels cheap it feels tacky it's you know, it's it's shoddy, it's janky, it's all that stuff. But it it basically it's playable. It, it's it is just about playable. Uh, oh, that was another hilarious thing. Um, if you restart the final section or any section actually, um, and uh, and you die, obviously because you've got twenty lives. If you're in a section that you keep dying in, every time you respawn, you know, in traditionally in beat 'em ups, you sort of fall into the screen and everything falls over or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In this, you explode from the ground 
and it sends out a shockwave that actually damages enemies. Oh, wow. And because you've got 20 lives, you'll kill them eventually. Like, there's no enemy that is stronger <laughs> than your, your 20 uh, respawns. So, so no matter how rubbish you are, you, you can kill any boss in this game by... Uh, as long as you get to it with enough lives, you just keep dying and uh, being resurrected. So, I mean, you could argue that that's, that's like a broken element and there are other elements which i would i think in the in the modern sense of games being generally more functional and having to pass certain mm. um you know tests and things it makes it's not a surprise at all that this game was sat on ice for two years until just about the xbox one was about to come out and then they said we've got nothing left to release on xbox live arcade oh wait a minute did we ever put this piece of poo out no <laughs> um here it is but yes, I've played I've played games which were literally unplayable or or all but unplayable and way more frustrating than this because I, I you know I punched my way through this mindlessly brainlessly in about two or three hours. Uh, it gave me a few chuckles. Um, actually, the contact as with Double Dragon Neon, although it has a different feel, the contact of punching and knocking over enemies is not bad. Like uh, that that f- core fundamental thing of a scrolling brawler, actually, you get a nice thump 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 kind of feedback. That's the best thing I can say about it. I understand why it's got fifteen percent average reviews, uh, and I wouldn't recommend anyone play this, but. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't. It's worst game on the 360. I, I mean, I played Ride to Hell Retribution. I would say that was worse from my point of view. Like, I, there's no way I could have played all the way through that without wanting to gouge my own eyes out. Whereas this, I played through, and I was bored, and it was stodgy and you know crappy around the edges. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like. There's stuff that, about this game that clearly you didn't enjoy. There's stuff that seems yeah. a lot of people didn't enjoy. But it doesn't sound like an offensive game in terms of what's in it or in terms of any kind of uh, business decisions or anything like that. It doesn't sound like it's a mm. broken game. Certainly we've had games come out that have been that have got a lot of stick for bugs and glitches and stuff like that. Yeah. Why did this... Not just review scores, but why was this to the point where reviewers were calling it the worst game on the 360? What about it? Is there anything you've, if you've got any theories on why it is exactly that people took so hard against this game, I guess is what I'm asking. Maybe it's a perfect storm of rubbishness in multiple areas. So like there's not yeah. there's not one area other than me sort of sc- scraping the bottom of the barrel by saying well actually some of the punching feels okay like beyond that there's nothing really to say oh but the music's good oh but the graphics are all right oh but you know there there's uh the metro review says the interactive equivalent of irritable bowel syndrome um <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I, I suspect there's more like that without without going into yeah, maybe the, with, the... With some other games there's always kind of a redeeming yeah. feature amongst one facet of the game yeah um, yeah maybe and I, and I think maybe coming out after neon as well people had already seen that you could do something at least that had some sort of amusement and merit beyond yeah, accidental some, some comedy. people were gonna like yeah yeah it might be just an easy game to crap on as well, like to uh, let all your uh, reviewer frustrations lose on, because it's a mm. Korean. Uh, I think that's developer a very good point. Some, somewhere. Nobody is going to rub shoulders with them. Nobody's going to 
they're they're probably you know not going to uh, make angry phone calls or uh, or speak to you at a at a party about I think it. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. And I, I yeah. suppose plus it had been sat on Xbox Live for two yes. years and not released. Plus it was at the tail end where yes, they still had to have their weekly releases on Xbox Live Arcade, but the I mean this was also at the point where Xbox Live. Uh, indie games uh, you know uh, that program was out and a lot of people were having good fun kind of in the way they do at Steam Greenlight now poking fun at some of the stuff that ended up on there and maybe this was kind of just seen as well this is a Xbox Live Arcade game because of the name but otherwise would have been you know amongst the the less respected games on on uh, X-Plague yeah maybe, I, I, I don't I'm... know maybe I would say yes. There are there are an almost infinite number of experiences that you could have that you would probably enjoy more for considerably less money, uh, and as such, yeah, I absolutely don't recommend that anybody plays this. Like it's certainly I would you know class it right down there in the games I've played in recent years, and certainly in the games I've played for Kane and Rince. I just don't think it's quite as it's it's not quite such an abomination. As uh, as some other things that I've seen, but yeah, it's down there. I mean, you know, it's um, it's 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 very it's cheap and tawdry, and yeah. I, you know, I don't know. There's that saying, and I often interview developers, and I've you know people who I count as acquaintances at least in in the development community, and I do believe when they say nobody sets out to make a bad game, and so sure. I don't believe yeah. that even the team at uh, Gravity, even you know, they didn't set out to make a bad game. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think. I, I can only get the sense that they never had the skill or the time or the money or any of the facets qualities needed to make a good game. <laughs> so, yeah. so they may yeah. have tried, but uh, so there's an argument that is it even justifiable to release something that is this kind of shonky in, you know, even 2013 when, you know, you can buy perfectly playable, you can get games which are free to play or, or, or a quid yeah, or yeah. whatever and will last you for dozens and dozens of hours and this is, you know, six or seven or eight pound, ten dollars, whatever, and it will be, yeah. the best you can hope to get out of it is three hours of hilarity because it's so poo. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. unless we forget, this was on Xbox Live Arcade that had a plethora of retro beat-em-ups that you could play yeah, yeah. even if you didn't look for something, you know, yes. even if you weren't playing Neon, the Streets of Rage trilogy was on there, so... Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a bizarre... I mean, it's just a bizarre pro project or product. I don't know what the, the, the rationale yeah. behind it was. I don't know why it's why they retold why the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, why it's Double Dragon 2, why it's got a new <laughs> name. It's got these... I mean, it's got some... Yes, we've got some really naff animated cutscenes as well as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, yes, um, so I have played it, so nobody else has to. But it was interesting and, sure. and made for an interesting discussion. And also, it it forms uh, one column of our triptych of different approaches to um, to remaking or rebooting uh, a dormant or old IP. Uh, so, regardless of the quality of Wonder of the Dragons, it represents making a, just making a new game out of out of what you've already got rather than making a pastiche which is neon or slavishly copying 
uh, existing tech pretty much in Double Dragon 4, which we're coming to momentarily after our one three-word review for for, <laughs> for Double Dragon 2, Wonder of the Dragons, which also came from, comes from Ryan Scully. Uh, he, he submitted three-word reviews for the other two games, which is what we'd asked for on Twitter. And so I chanced my arm and said, I don't suppose you played Double Dragon 2, <laughs> Wonder of the Dragons. And Ryan came back with, yes, and my three-word review would be, why, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two people we know who played the game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many it's sold. Uh, but yes, there's a there's a video on YouTube from Eurogamer calling it the worst game on 360. So you can see it being kind of picked apart and probably yeah more harshly than, than I am. Uh, but yeah, that's all out there. Which brings us almost up to date, in fact, sort of, but also takes us the farthest back in other ways. Double Dragon 4. So yes, Arc System Works, they of Blaze Blue, Guilty Gear, uh, forthcoming fighting game involving Dragon Ball. Dragon yeah. Ball Fighters and mm. uh, and also the crossover Blaze Blue uh, yes. game that they announced back at, uh, at EVO. Generally well known for some astonishing uh, 2D art and extremely technical and deep fighting game mechanics. But here, Arc System Works recruited the pretty much the whole team from the 80s and 90s NES Double Dragon games. So Yoshihisa Kishimoto returns to direct. Takaomi Kaneko is the producer. Kei Oyama is the programmer. Koji Ogata is the artist. And Kazunaka Yamane is the composer. So this these are the core team who made... The was it yeah three NES Double Dragon games which mm-hmm. were as we discussed in the in our previous Double Dragon podcast uh, not the same as the arcade machines because they couldn't be so instead they made uh, interpretations or variants thereof including uh, Double Dragon three which as we also discussed was probably widely better regarded than the coin op Double Dragon three the Rosetta Stone. So this came out earlier this year, January, and on PlayStation 4, because you need a PS4 to run this game, <laughs> or, or a PC, uh, yeah. January, January 2017. It's coming out on the Switch. Uh, it will be out on the I Switch. I think you need a PS4 Pro to be able to run this game, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I guess it's either it's done well enough that it's coming to the Switch, or it hasn't done well enough, and so they want to release it onto another platform. Uh, so it's coming or, to the Switch. Or it's an easy port and the Switch has been doing quite well for retro-styled games, therefore yeah. why not? Yes. So it's uh, not that cheap a game to buy. It's like uh, I bought it in a sale for, I think, around £5, but normally yeah. it's like 12 to 15 quid. I think, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and the reviews have not been spectacular. Uh, the PlayStation 4 version has been reviewed by 18 review outlets and it currently averages 51.17% which lest we forget is basically an abomination and (laughs) a game that shouldn't work on the basis of usual averages yeah 35% more than the one we've just talked about though so by that (laughs) halfway to be a good game it should be an absolute classic so other than uh, perhaps some extra colours and widescreen presentation. This pretty much takes the art of the NES games wholesale. Is that fair? Not not wholesale, but okay. to, to a certain extent. Um, the backgrounds are uh, sometimes quite accurate as mm-hmm. far as uh, the fidelity of the 
uh, NES games goes the uh, goal uh, yeah goes um, but also wholly inconsistent because there are parts right. where they look like bad digitized uh, pictures uh, in uh, in eight bit style. Okay. Um, yeah, I was I was I was mad when I saw the reveal trailer for this game. Really, because I heard mm. Arc System Works is doing Double Dragon Four, and immediately images of hardcore uprising popped in my head, and I was beside myself with excitement. Right, I mean, and, your ears and, prick up. You know, you you just your mind inflames at the notion of Arc System Works doing yeah, Double Dragon doing Four, a full, doesn't it? Full Double Dragon sequel. Yeah, it yeah. Sounds, sounds amazing, and. Almost immediately after I heard it, I watched the trailer and I was bummed out. It's uh, it looked like a like a, a Beats of Rage style ROM hack of the uh, the 8-bit NES uh, okay. games to me. Yeah, right. yeah. Hmm. I, I only um, I only bought bought it to, to be able to play it for the show. Um, and, Bless you. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't delve into the Patreon for that one. Uh, no. Well, hopefully you ended up getting something out of it. Did you? Something, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a perfectly playable uh, game, and it's since I did play a whole lot of Double Dragon Two on the NES back in the days, it did uh, work uh, as a uh, as I already fores- foresaw it would as a bit of a nostalgia nostalgia grab and nostalgia cash in. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it, it did uh, work on a somewhat somewhat work on a nostalgic level for me. Um, Again, played it with a second player, which is always good. Makes it uh, makes it a whole lot more enjoyable and endurable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not mad I played it through, but I'm just disappointed that it had to come down to this. Yeah. So, so in, ter- in terms of the graphics, like Shuffle Knight's a good example of that's a game that looks. It, I guess people would say looks like you remember that era or you know in that case uh a sega mega drive platformer looking like for example but it does a lot more than could be done in this yeah. case they've taken that a step further back where the game does look closer to what double dragon could do but then some of the the geometry and some of the like the platform some of the edges are too straight there's no pixel uh, the thinking of the plush shaped yellow cogs that spin round and nearly gave me a migraine um they're almost uh, they're almost like straight lines and and nothing else in uh, in the game should be and and a lot of it isn't and they just kind of stand out as well what okay they want it to pop from the background so you know something's going on but there's other ways to do that you highlight Mm. it with you know like a, a row of pixels to give it like an edge enhancement type thing or whatever but yeah, there's just weird inconsistencies like that where it's like, okay, they've gone the step further than most other quote-unquote pixel art retro graphic games uh, of recent times have. Even the ones that have kind of said, no, you know, we've gone as far back towards what it should look like as we can, like Shovel Knight. They've they've gone that far and even further and then just made some weird inconsistent choices. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure why. I'll tell you what, though. What would have never been... Uh... And this is something you only discover while playing through the whole game mm. because it starts out very slow with only one or two enemies appearing. But yeah, the yeah. amount of enemies on screen you get later would have never been, uh, sure, have been possible. Sure, there's point, on the, on the points the NES of which you've got, and, I think, six 
sort of six ninja six ladies coming out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of, yeah. Or a Bobos uh, walking yeah. in the screen. Yeah, that, that would have uh, killed your your NES processor for sure. And and if you make the mistake of picking up one of the crates in the tower as you're climbing it uh, and and throwing it, you suddenly are set upon by six sumo wrestlers. I forgot yeah. the name <laughs> of funny, actually. Yeah. Well, that was a heck of a mistake to make. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So they said they grabbed sprites from Double Dragon One, Two, and Three on the mm. uh, NES, mm-hmm. uh, but they added some new characters as well, like the sumo wrestlers yeah. and the the ninja ladies and the the Okada sisters. Um, mm. Yeah. So and and I must say, as much as the backgrounds are inconsistent, I think the the character sprites do look even the new ones do look very consistent with the with the old art i'll say that much mm. uh, for yeah, it yeah i think the uh, akada sisters are probably slightly more detailed and they've done that because it's the bosses and they want them to stand out in that but i, I got the impression there was more detail to their not necessarily their animation but just the way that they looked seemed more detailed than most of the other characters whereas like the the abobos were very simple and then they just color swapped and palette swapped them for different levels of enemy the same way that they they would yeah. have back then so that made well, there sense there was already but... an increase in uh detail be- uh between double dragon one and two on the nes sure. uh, for, yeah. the, for the sprites yeah. so the abobos are from double dragon one and the burn off character with the, the metal mask is from double dragon two and sure it looks a little, yeah, bit more intricate fair, for example detail on, on them yeah yeah yeah, and on a, I don't know if it's something you can tweak on the PC version, but on the PS4, there's some V-Sync issues, bizarrely, uh, yeah. I found. Yeah, yeah that's a lot so of screen crazy. Tearing. Yeah. I Which saw that, I saw that on video reviews of the PS4 version. Yeah. Yeah, the screen tearing is, is ridiculous. Uh, and I saw some YouTube comments also saying, hey, they even got the screen tearing of NES games, right? <laughs> Which is absolutely bollocks, because yes. there was no there screen, was no tearing, screen tearing, tearing in NES games. No, no. <laughs> that never no. happened. No, yeah. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have done. Uh, what, would, what would happen uh, sometimes is that uh, you had these uh, sort of uh, glitchy edges of the screen when yeah. uh, with, with scrolling yeah. up and down, but not screen yes. tearing as we know. But it. No, no screen no. tearing, no. no. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah, one curious choice I think they made is uh, it's not that curious, but they've gone with the let's say broadly retro aesthetic, the NES style. Mm. Uh, but by default, the music has been arranged uh, in the style of say if there'd been an nes cd uh, add-on i guess that's you this is something like what you might have heard so it's the original tunes um but mixed with more modern or, or high-tech instruments i think there's some really nice stuff in there some you know familiar tunes and these are these are nice uh, arrangements thereof but what i would have actually liked is if you're going to do that with the audio i would have liked some beefier uh, sound effects <laughs> to go yeah. because one of the yeah. one of the problems i one of the reasons i never played um i've never gone out of my way to seek out 8-bit versions of double dragon is that i knew the audio was going to be less satisfying than you know we talked about the audio in the original uh, coin op particularly the double dragon one with mm. these incredibly meaty punching slapping hoofing kicking sounds uh, and i always knew that the nes obviously just because of the limitations of its sound chip would have been more 8-bitty white noisy you know sounding stuff yeah so that's what yeah. this game has and it's it's fine it's okay it, it's not terrible but it it lacks any impact so i would have rather that they'd done a Maybe it would have been a slight weird juxtaposition, but given those decisions they made with the art that you've already talked about yeah. um, and the music, why not have some some chunkier sound effects too? Yeah, if they were going to stick strictly to uh, like an NES um, mm. 
sound chip, which they can. I mean, as uh, I've mentioned, and I think the first um, sound of play was on, there are, there are people who take the specific sound set that you have on a particular cartridge from that era and make music yes. with it. And they, they yes. very very well could have gone back and used the exact same sound effects and not even, they wouldn't have had to use the exact same music. They could have tweaked it, but stuck to the same sound set or the same uh, ch- sound chip, if you like. Um, and they, they could have done that. They made a decision not to, but as you say, didn't go the full distance, which again, as with the graphics, seems like that's a weird decision to kind of go halfway between two reasonable, understandable decisions. And yeah, well, the Arena soundtrack can be turned off, of course, so you can I listen to so, yeah. uh, NES chiptune uh, version of the music. Um, as for me, I've kind, I'm kind of fond of the uh, sound effects of Double Dragon 2 on the NES, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yeah, I, I didn't mind it that much once I was already over that uh, <laughs> over that threshold. But, yeah, uh, yeah good points. So, again, I rattled through this in single player in a few hours. And I guess, overall, I had a... I had a better time than I had with Double Dragon 2, uh, although fewer actual laughs, apart from the box of Abobos, which did make me laugh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so this had neither the the intentional laughs of Neon nor the unintentional laughs of, of Double Dragon 2, but probably overall it had the gameplay that I enjoyed the most of the three in that it was tried and tested stuff. Like, it might not be super deep. It's not Streets of Rage 2 or... or, or anything like that but it's uh it has it's nice and responsive and you can tell that these are people who have made brawlers before in terms of the wake-up timing and the animations and um the ai of the enemies being just the right amount of smart and stupid and (laughs) kiteable and all that stuff and and all the traditional uh getting people to walk into you from an angle to punch their faces off and all that good stuff uh so it was yeah a perfectly the wake up wake up techniques with the 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 flying knee and yeah the head spinning torpedo and the hyper uppercut yeah all perfectly perfectly enjoyable stuff but i only played it in in single player uh and james that would have been the same for you as well because you literally finished right before the show started um now while i guess this hasn't got the uh, the neon extras of the uh high fives and all that you play this two player do you think this uh contributed to the enjoyment again with uh with double dragon four mikhil oh yeah definitely yeah i mean just just Talking between each other and trying to work out tactics to get through through some tricky situations is always good. And this is a thing that I always feel about uh, belt scrollers is that all the um, real estate you have on the screen from the tilted uh, perspective and the, mm-hmm. the z-axis movement basically invites uh, having more more than one player to work together with on screen. Yeah. I always yeah. feel strange yeah. playing these games all by myself, which mm-hmm. is why I had to find somebody to play with me. You're lucky and to have since... a buddy that is willing to play games that look like this, because not all of us have that luxury. Even <laughs> even more so, uh, it's a buddy that's only 15 years old. <laughs> He's a, oh, really? a, a, friend, a friend of... Uh, 
or he's a, a son of some good friends of ours, right, me right. and my wife's uh, wife, and he's uh, pretty fascinated with games. And yeah, he he usually is always open to try out some older that's, stuff or some great. more antiquated games as well. Did, Did you explain the history and all to, that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's really yeah. cool. So I have to get I have to shout <clears throat> shout him out as well, Pranay Chandra Pasat. So he's uh, he's a good good kid and uh, a lot of fun to play uh, play through the games with together. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, James, what was your sort of enjoyment level overall of Double Dragon 4? Any peaks and troughs for you? Anyone who's listened to the previous Double Dragon show will know I I come off far worse with this gameplay than you guys do. I end up feeling like I'm just mashing buttons and I get to the point where either I know I'm just going to mash the button, the enemy's going to stand up into it and I'm going to be fine, or mm. the the enemy AI takes them to like, two pixels away from where my fist would hit them and therefore I either have to stop punching to adjust my position and I'm going to get hit in the face or keep on going or you know it it just ends up being this frustrating Hmm. situation where and with the spinning head torpedo it happened several times I have no idea what I was doing I I just ended up mashing light attack and the button towards the enemy I wanted and Mm. sometimes it came out sometimes it didn't I didn't know what the input was for it and I thought you know what it just ends up being a case where it's far easier just to mash my way through this than ever to try and learn the the to to learn to get better at them as opposed to something like um Double Dragon Neon, where I did learn throughout that entire game how to uh, develop different tactics, how to face different enemies, how to get better at the game, not just because of the special moves and and the ability to upgrade them, that was completely incidental. I actually felt myself improving as I went through the game. I developed a combo that I knew would work for a lot of different situations. I can't do any of that with these games, and so this sent me straight back to replaying double dragon in you know in preparation for the for the last show where it's just and and again different from streets of rage where there are i know what's going to happen with a certain set of inputs in a certain (laughs) situation on the screen i just don't feel like i do in double dragon 4 and it just made it a pretty turgid experience i would say in all honesty mm. to play mm-hmm. which is obviously completely flipped for for you leon you're you're saying this was in terms of the playing of it by far your favorite of the three um, we should, we i wouldn't say by far but narrowly ahead of neon yeah overall we should we should have played it together james i could have taught you all the all the how, how the moves worked because the the nes uh double dragons have a very arcane system to it where mm. all those advanced moves are based on on timing, basically. Yeah, yeah. So the the hurricane kick you have to do, uh, do, for example, by pressing kick at the top height of your jump. Yeah, um, I, I, could, I could do that fairly reliably. The problem that I guess... Uh, so the the spinning headbutt, or the t- spinning tornado um, headbutt, I, I could... That for a wake-up was really useful if you had a bunch of enemies, especially if they were all on one side of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Sometimes a knee would come out and miss the enemies. Don't know why that happened. Sometimes an uppercut would come out and knock a load of enemies back. And I just didn't know why that was happening. Aside from, yeah, it's timing, but the timing seems so strict that... Mm, it's very mm. strict, yeah. It, it, uh, I I haven't got a, got a clear grasp on the uh, 
the spinning headbutt uh, thing here, yeah. but the the knee and uh, the uppercut always come out when I want them to come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I'm curious, uh, a lot of games, I mean, it's actually quite rare for us to look at a game that has an average review score of almost precisely a half, five out of ten, you know, <laughs> like two, two five, five. But I'm, I'm interested looking at the individual reviews. It really is like they are all in the middle. So right. there's, uh, I mean, that okay, the lowest is 1.5 out of 5 and the highest is 6.5 out of 10. Yeah. But everything is within that range. So it is just, there's there's no, this game is an absolute turd, you know, like we heard with Double Dragon 2, Wander of the Dragons. And there's no, this is an amazing uh, rebirth sequel of, you, you might have expected at least one outlet who was massively nostalgic or a big fan mm. of the development team or the franchise to give it a, a rave review. But no, it's all, uh, actually there is a B plus from Gaming Age, but broadly very, very, very much right in the middle. And and I think that, that sort of reflects how I feel about it as well. It's just, think of the missed potential here. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's ma- mainly it. It's just it, this could have been so much more, and they they just yeah the team behind this just took the easy way out and just grabbed some old sprites and jumbled them together mm. without too much rhyme or reason. Just you know up the amount of characters uh, along the way, um, and um, that's it. You know the the that's there's your double dragon four, and. You well, think it was probably made in a fairly uh, short space of time. It certainly has that yeah, that yeah. feel about it, doesn't it? Speaking about how long this game was in development, it, am I right in thinking, certainly my awareness of this game was about the day before it was released, someone said, oh, wow, this is coming out. Um, yeah, I knew about it sometime before, okay, I think. Right. But not... But it- not but ages. it wasn't very long after the announcement that yeah. it uh, yeah. came yeah. out. Yeah. I certainly got the impression that this went from very, very low level of awareness to suddenly this is out in a way that you... It's not unheard of for a smaller game that's, you know, just being brought out because they can, but for something like this, I would have expected more of a build-up. I would have expected more to be said about it before... It yeah. just kind of arrived. but The project it reminded me of most, going back best part of 10 years now, is Mega Man 9. And then we got Mega Man 10 as well, of course, which mm. is uh, a similar notion where, uh, in that case, Capcom went back to the NES well, used similar assets, if mm. not the same, used the similar tech, if not the same. Uh, now those games are available as part of a an, another legacy collection, which yeah. uh, attaches nine and ten to the earlier some of the earlier games in the series, which I think is interesting in itself. Um, whether this was some attempt to create interest in those old games, maybe we'll see a Double mm-hmm. Dragon one to four compilation from Arc System Works on a downloadable service or something like that. It does feel to me like I'm I'm often in defence of publishers and, and the prices they charge for games because I compare them against other real world forms of entertainment or, or consumables and often I think games come out way better than most other things. But I think at current market prices I think the price they set this at was probably too high for the amount of entertainment it offers yeah. and and the amount of work that it appears has gone into it so i'm not sure i'm not sure what the what the whole whether it was you know a pure fan service cash grab or uh yeah. or whether there was whether it was a genuine desire among the creators to go back to it and and have fun making another one 
Yeah, it's funny you bring up Mega Man 9 uh, and then afterwards 10 because that got a really, um, yeah, excellent reception. A lot of people loved that, even mm. though I personally also had some issues with, uh, with Mega Man 9. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just, even if they wanted to take that approach with Double Dragon 4, it's just not executed to a T. It's it mm. it doesn't go the full length of uh, spot on uh, continuation of the NES Double Dragon games, and what also stung me a little bit that it's even though I love Double Dragon Two on the NES, it stung me that uh, it's a Double Dragon Four that it continues the NES Double Dragons and it, it's not based on the on the arcade games yeah. because that also reeks a bit of the uh, the the air of nostalgia cash in um yeah that 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 hangs around the whole whole project possibly there Uh, was no way of reuniting the double dragon team and perhaps also that tech the the very specific and slightly weird tech of those coin ops is harder to replicate in some ways certainly more work to replicate in some ways because literally you know there's more 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 pixels to manipulate is there something of we uh, we haven't really clarified the naming of this game? Is there something of that in this as well, though? In that the reason this is Double Dragon Four is because Super Double Dragon was essentially mm-hmm. the fourth quote unquote that allowed Double Dragon Five to to be a fighting game Dragon Super 5. Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, so that leaves a gap in the numbering yes. that allows this game to fit in. Well, it's um, like uh, mm-hmm. it's a bit like Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog Four. Uh, was a similar deal, wasn't it? I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had just the one three-word review. As I said, this one's from Ryan Scully at Kane and Rince. Follow us on Twitter. Who says curse you nostalgia? So I assume he wasn't that overly enamoured with it either. This brings us to the point where I'd like us to consider, regardless of what we think the quality of the three games that we've discussed is, the for, from our own personal point of view, or possibly in a general objective, slightly objective sense, what we think the merits and the downfalls are of these three different approaches to taking uh, a classic vintage IP or franchise and re-releasing it or releasing a new version thereof on modern platforms. So again, to recap, we have the the game with a new subtitle and uh, which is influenced by takes characters uh, and becomes a sort of a comic pastiche or affectionate homage whatever you want to call it we have in double dragon 2 wonder of the dragons uh, something which i regardless of the quality of that game i think was intended to be a uh, a, a modern variant thereof uh, a, a a sort of um a reimagining of a game within the series but with modern graphics and gameplay sensibilities and then you have, in the case of Double Dragon 4, you have a return to the graphics of the time, albeit with some tweaks and and the gameplay as well of the time to some extent. Um, James, what do you think? Is it, like, if there was, do you think it's a case of horses for courses? Do you think, or do you think there's um, there's one approach which works? Uh, for better for you, uh, which which would you like to see? If there's if there's say if there's a dormant franchise that you love that you would love to see brought back in some way, which approach would you prefer the developers to go for? Um, I, I think horses for courses is is kind of right, but also obviously it depends how mm. well that's going to be done. Something that 
is technically and graphically and aesthetically and in, in tone very much in keeping with what the games were, so a Double Dragon 4, if that there's no reason that that can't happen, right? I mean, we yeah. we have the ability to go back and more or less recreate the technology, not necessarily exactly, but it can be done and, and can be done well. Um, so I, I don't think it needs the the modern um, gameplay systems, the modern graphics and everything like that to make it acceptable to people nowadays necessarily. But undeniably, if you present a game with a, 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 a name on it that people recognise, whether or not they are old enough to remember and have played the originals, it has that cachet. And then you present them something that is very much of modern time. Either can work perfectly well. For In this case, for me, um, Double Dragon Neon worked better. But if you're asking about any other game, you know, Burei Fighter or whatever it might be um, mm. that I played back on my Game Boy that I'd want to see now, I'd be happy to go back and play the Game Boy version of it. So why wouldn't I be happy with them making a new... Uh, a, a, a sequel that in mm. the same style and uh, very slavishly to the same parameters. Um, I think that's absolutely fine. I think if you're going to do that, you need to make some very clear decisions as to what that means and not waver on how much you actually do what you said you're going to do. So if you're saying the graphics are going to be like they were on the NES or like they were, you know, back in the day, make them like that. Not, mm. like, if you want to put a bit of extra colour in, if you if you need a few extra pixels to make a, a character look like, you know, a character sprite look like it needs to look, okay, but when you start introducing uh, background elements and when you start introducing musical elements that are completely different from that, I think you need to be very careful because then you've got a situation where a game looks like one thing sounds like another or looks like one thing plays like another. And that could be very, very uh, off-putting to anyone who goes back wanting an experience from that. So you're an advocate of sort of dogma-style uh, um, rules. Or, or at least being very clear about, in your design doc or however you end up going about it, about mm. what it is you're trying to do. It's the same thing with Street Fighter, right? You know, um, mm -hmm. we've had two in the past 10 years to modern remakes of, of Street Fighter 2 particularly in mm -hmm. um, HD Remix and in Ultra mm -hmm. neither one of them went whole hog after what I personally would have liked them to do mm. uh, like a definitive version with completely you know with with perhaps new aesthetic but also allowing you to toggle that back to the old and being really like on the ball about making sure you can toggle every little bit of the mm. experience between what they want the modern one to be and what the original was, or just saying, no, this is a new version of, and we're not going to, we're, we're going to go after the way we want it to look and sound and feel and play. And that will not be what it was. It will be a, a modern take on it. So I, I think either can work, but I think it's just worth 
thinking long and hard about what it is you want this game to represent, right, and, and who you want the game to be for. You know, if you make Double Dragon 4 and it's exactly like the original Double Dragons were on NES, then that's going to appeal to a very particular audience who are going to want very specific things from that. And you're going to end up with a response like Ryan's where the nostalgia hasn't, you know, led to a, an experience like what they remember it to be. Hmm. Mikio, any strong thoughts on this? As much as I'd like to play games uh, throughout the whole history of uh, video games in general, um, and that also includes games I've never played before in the past, mm. um, I also prefer for things to move forward. So I'm usually not very big on uh games that adopt an 8 or 16-bit pixel style uh, because those 8 and 16-bit games back in the days were kind of like, I mean, the the the, the good ones were firing on all cylinders and they mm. were pushing the hardware. Uh, so I'm, I would be more excited to see a uh, Double Dragon 4 in the style of Hardcore Uprising, for example, which is... Very progressive. Still a 2D game, but mm. very progressive graphically and mechanically. Also Arc System Works, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Double Dragon 4, as we got it, could have worked for me better, maybe if they would have nailed it a little bit more, but I was never going to be be happy with it uh, to begin with. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather just go back and play the older games uh, at that point then. Um... Double Dragon Neon um, actually worked for me better in the end, uh, and I'm. But it's it's something that I almost don't see as a Double Dragon game. It's almost its its own thing uh, to me, with the spoofiness of it and the way different uh, the, the the how different the fighting mechanics worked. Um, it it had managed to endear itself to me while playing through it uh, and I accepted the way it was it just didn't feel very double dragon to me so yeah still in the end it works for me better as a as an isolated title uh, but yeah a double dragon 4 5 or 6 or what have you uh, in, uh, in the style of hardcore uprising would be something I could fully get behind hmm. so a couple of things strike me about this uh, one is uh, at the time of recording we've just recently in the last two or three weeks had the release of sonic mania and while i don't want to go down the rabbit hole of reviewing that or sonic 4 it's curious that two games which from the outside look to have a very similar approach which is to take pretty much the aesthetic of the original games and most of the gameplay how wildly differently they can be received so it does in the end come down to the design of the levels and the bosses i have seen some um some a certain amount of black backlash now people have got towards the end of sonic mania about the difficulty of some of the later levels and some of the later bosses and things like that but overall people seemed to feel that sonic 4 just got uh, that was by dimps of course who did uh, i would say a reasonably successful job with street fighter 4 um mm. but with sonic 4 they got the physics wrong by the uh, according to many many uh, major sonic fans and it seems that you know we'll, we'll go into this uh, when we do the sonic series someday um that 
that you know they just got a few things wrong whereas uh, Christian Whitehead and his team um got those same things much more right with Sonic Mania um and those are going to be you know perhaps subtle things I there's think- already again the the thing with using uh polygons as opposed to 2D spreads of course yes i mean that that could certainly be part of it um yeah recreating the feel but then Double Dragon 4 does, would you say, largely recreate the feel of the NES games? Is that, that doesn't seem to be the problem so much as no, other no. elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does recreate the feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we actually decide whether we'd recommend any or all of these games, uh, Abobo's Big Adventure was a game I mentioned in the previous podcast. Um, sadly, I ran out of time, didn't get round to playing it. Uh, it's a freeware parody flash game, according to Wikipedia. Um, Mikhail, you've uh, at least uh, had a look at this. Yeah, I've played a very little bit of it, the first stage, and I've watched uh, some some YouTube playthroughs. Um, but beyond the first stage, it uh, has nothing to do with Double Dragon anymore. It just, okay. just becomes this gigantic NES love-in with... Uh, right. Super Mario and and Zelda levels and uh, all sorts of it's uh, never been craziness. It's never been closed down by any of the IP holders, which is something. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It, did it amuse you? Kind of, yeah. Kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, check it out, yeah, people. I've, I've, it's I've, free. I haven't I haven't played it uh, myself, but, uh, but yeah, beyond the first level, but just watched it through. So. In that sense, it's amusing. I maybe I wouldn't have been amused if I had to play it, but yeah, who knows? Sure, and you can try it out for free, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's 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 out there. It's free. It's on the internet. And finally, we mentioned a cartoon kids' cartoon series in the previous podcast. We should mention, even though none of us has seen it, the Double Dragon movie, nineteen ninety four, one hour and thirty six minutes, action adventure comedy. PG-13, starring uh, Robert Patrick, uh, Mark Dacascos, Scott Wolf, uh, directed by James Yukich, and has an IMDb punter rating of 3.7 out of 10 from 9,000 views. Um, yeah, there Which it is. Which is pretty low as far as IMDb ratings go. Yeah. You don't yeah, not a lot of defenders. Yeah, I know. Mm. So uh, let's say without us uh, having seen it, we're going to say it's probably another in the long line, the litany of video game movie tie-ins that perhaps weren't worth the celluloid they were filmed. It it exists because Street (laughs) Fighter and Mortal Kombat and everything that was coming out around that time that was a name that they could put on a film that was what it was, I guess. Yes, yes. And actually Double Dragon was as a franchise was already very much on the on the wane at that point so sure yeah. uh but they beat i think they beat mortal kombat into cinemas so well done <laughs> <laughs> right so to summarize obviously you've played two of the three james i think we've yeah. got a general sense but uh would you actually recommend given bearing in mind what it would take for people to actually buy and play these games money time awkwardness generally uh would you recommend neon and or double dragon four uh four two fans of double dragon yeah absolutely uh, i think it's worth seeing i'm glad i played it even though i as i said i have frustrations with this uh 
this type of game uh, that that just I mean, they're they're my faults rather than the game's faults. I can't really fault the game. Uh, the the platforming I just don't find enjoyable at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Jumping onto those yellow cogs was just utterly <laughs> infuriating. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, just have to be patient. Wait for the cycle to complete. And go, no. You do, but there's some of them where you have to make three jumps across, and by the time you get across to the third, if you haven't done it perfectly, you're fired back. Checkpoints are probably slightly the, more generous beginning. than they would have been in the yeah, uh, definitely back in the day. Um, but but yeah, uh, if you're a fan of Double Dragon, absolutely, I'd recommend Double Dragon Four, even if it's just to to see what a game like that would look like on a PlayStation 4, of all things. Um, easy enough to play. <laughs> and mind the screen tearing. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't find the screen tearing uh, off-putting. I definitely noticed it, but it wasn't ruinous to the the uh, the experience. Um, and if you can find it in a in a sale, it's a few hours' worth of time, especially if given you've got the, the ability just to press the start button to cycle th- through in, in the menu. Uh, to get to your, uh, to get to to your previously completed stage, if you happen to, like I did, run out of continues, um, but Double Dragon Neon was, albeit uh, I agree, not necessarily a Double Dragon game in spirit, although it is in name, um, was a a far more satisfying experience for me. I just felt like I was able to understand the systems. I was able to get more out of it and develop i felt like it challenged me uh particularly the run-up to the tank fight i had to learn how to do that better so that i didn't arrive at the tank with no lives remaining um mm. and the uh the beginning to to uh mission stage nine where you're sliding down on the jaw of the plant that you've just dismantled um that that was pretty tough uh but satisfyingly tough the same goes with the final fight it took me a good few times uh worrying about having to go all the way back to the beginning of the the uh the chapter the stage um when i inevitably had to continue but i had fun you know it it was certainly uh pushed my ability to learn the game, but I was able to learn the game in a way that I wasn't with Double Dragon 4. So yeah, absolutely. But but if you're looking for something that does ape a little more, that kind of Streets of Rage Double Dragon style, then yeah, I think Double Dragon Neon's absolutely worth a look. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy myself with it. Yeah, so considering these three games, I wouldn't strongly recommend any of them to most people other than weirdos like us uh, <laughs> who like to see what's going on with all this stuff and talk about uh, what's being done with these franchises and IPs and things like that and how these 30 year old games are interpreted by uh, either new studios or different studios Double Dragon Neon didn't really feel like a Double Dragon game to me in in any way it's I'm not sure it was intended to but that said the the gameplay itself I found to be moderately enjoyable. There's uh, there's quite a fun uh, this the the glimmer system where you you duck, which is weird anyway for a for a game of this type uh, to duck and uh, invoke a, a power up effectively. Uh, once I got into doing that, I enjoyed the game 
quite a bit more uh, once I understood the tape system and the powering up and the fact that you could go back and kind of grind to make uh, the later game easier for you. I had a, a perfectly serviceable afternoon with it over the course of uh, yeah, three, three or four hours and it gave me a few laughs and uh, and the music it was probably the highlight for me the fact that that clearly had so much uh, so much work put into it and there's some nice art i think of the three neon had the most uh, work and skill um put put into it and lavished upon it double dragon 2 one of the dragons as we've heard is critically one of the most reviled games ever uh Probably if I were to have reviewed it for an outlet that gave five stars, I probably would have given it one star. So I would have contributed to that sort of average that it got. Uh, but that said, I have played many, many worse, less functional, more frustrating, more angering games. This was just a bit of a, a turgid romp with very, very low production values. But it did make me laugh out loud several times, so <laughs> not deliberately. Um, but there it is. I don't recommend that anyone uh, buys it for any reason it's only on xbox 360 so that shouldn't be a problem anymore anyway and double dragon 4 um so i didn't have as i said didn't have the nostalgia for the nes double dragons that uh, that other people may have because i was more of an arcade kid didn't have an nes uh, so it was actually interesting to play this game i was i was pleased to know that it was by the original creators so at least i knew it had that uh, that authenticity um and that pedigree but uh, it seems rather like it perhaps wasn't their their strongest work. It, whereas back in the early '90s when they were making these sequels on NES, they would have been throwing everything at it to to get the most out of this hardware. This this is a game that's running. It's seemingly with its V-Sync issues struggling to run on PS4 um, when it could have, yeah, with a few minor tweaks, could have run on, on an NES, fewer sprites on screen and all that sort of thing. But that said, I think it was probably the most consistently enjoyable gameplay experience for me of the three. Mm. Uh, the the mechanics are tight enough and uh, well honed enough for the game to be fun. The thing I enjoyed most about Double Dragon 4 was actually when I realised at the end there's a there's a tower mode where you basically fight room after room yeah. of enemies which is you know it's kind of a traditional mode but what's interesting about it is that everyone you beat in that mode you unlock as a playable character for the single player game and when you go back into the single player game and select any one of those characters you'll find that they all have a different move set so i think that's where most of the work went into this game although some I'm not... of them carry weapons like knives or grenades as well exactly which was the first thing i found out was that the uh, they each have a different number, so some of them carry dynamite grenades, knives. Um, every time you start a section or get a new life, you get fifteen new throwing knives, and that really changes up the gameplay and makes it a lot easier <laughs> in some cases. So it's something fun to play around with. Obviously, it messes up the cutscenes and and probably the balance as well. But it was a nice inclusion, and uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it actually, adds a bit more to the to the homebrew. Yes. Rum hack type of feel yeah, of the whole thing. Very much so. And I think also gives this game probably the strongest replay value of the three. So, yeah, no strong, strong recommendations. But I've been really looking forward to making this podcast um, because, yeah, it's interesting uh, discussion points, if, if nothing else. Uh, let's conclude with Mikhail. Yeah, um, very much in the same camp as you, Leon. Uh, I wouldn't recommend these games uh, to anyone to seek out and buy. I mean, if I would recommend 
side-scrolling brawlers, I would recommend something like Alien vs. Predator or uh, the Dungeons and Dragons games uh, by Capcom or Armored Warriors or Guardians by Winkysoft or <laughs> Guardian Heroes by Treasure. Uh, if I would recommend uh, modern beat-em-ups, uh, I would recommend something like uh, Beautiful Joe or Bayonetta or Ninja Gaiden. So there's a lot of games you could be playing otherwise instead of uh, Double Dragon Neon and Double Dragon 4. I haven't played Wonder of the Dragons. Um, that said, I'm not mad that I went and bought them. I see them as uh, interesting little curio pieces. And I did have uh, quite a quite an amount of fun with, uh, with them regardless with uh, my uh, Player 2 by my side. So, yeah. Um... In the end, I think Neon worked a little bit more better for me than uh, Double Dragon uh, Double Dragon Four because maybe I just was a little bit too sour uh, hmm. on that game. Hmm. It's interesting when you play through it. I, I kind of agree with James there as well. Like there's a, a bit of a learning curve. Uh, for example, you in Double Dragon Neon, you learn that just attacking a lot of enemy enemies head on is not a good idea so you start to make liberal use of the dodge button because even from dodges you can sweep or or uh uppercut uh, enemies and then uh do a little bit of a uh, with the uppercut you can launch them and kick them while they fly through the air or do other other things with them uh so it, it has its own feel i think it's it's a case where um for example if you there are the um You've got the uh, Kavia developed Resident Evil light gun shooters for the Wii, right? Uh, Umbrella Chronicles and uh, the Darkside Chronicles. Also on PS3 in HD. On PS3 as well, yeah. Mm. And they don't play like as fast and furious and direct as, let's say, House of the Dead or arcade light gun gun shooters. But the 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 pace is slower. It focuses more on on unlockables and and grinding, um, but by themselves they're not bad experiences to play through. They they have their own things going for them. And maybe I I put Double Dragon Double Dragon Neon in that same kind of camp. It's it's kind of its its own thing. Doesn't necessarily necessarily mean it's really inferior to the to the original Double Dragons or the arcade Double Dragons. Uh, not by much anyway, but it's definitely its own thing, and there's some enjoyment to be found in there and some some mastery. Excellent. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank James and McKeel, as well as editor Sean, and I was going to say our correspondents, but we didn't actually have any uh, long-form correspondence, but thank you to our three-word reviewers, and thank you, all of you, for listening. Remember, if you've enjoyed this show and our other shows, please consider heading to our Patreon page and donating the minimum of a dollar a month or more if you think we're worth it. And if enough of you do this before the end of the year, we will be making double Kane and Rinse shows in 2018. Two a week, imagine. Head to patreon.com slash and make it happen. And next time, in issue 286, sellotape a penny piece to your listening device and you'll be able to hear the uncensored gore in our Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and Mortal Kombat Trilogy podcast. Until then.